the title for my message is Convinced. Everybody say, I'm convinced. I'm convinced. I am convinced. And you're all asking, what are you convinced of? That is kind of important. So um, we're going to uh, read a scripture here from 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3 verse 14. And I'm going to read this uh, scripture here and then talk a little bit about the context. So this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking to Timothy towards the end of his life. So much has gone on before this. He's seeing the end of his days. Here is a man who was absolutely bent upon destroying the church, murdering those who followed Christ, who were establishing the early church has this radical transformation, knocked off his horse, blinded for three days. Christ appears to him, and he has a complete turnaround, and then he devotes the rest of his life with incredible passion to proclaim that the one, the one who he had originally um, defied to proclaim that he is the Messiah that he is the Son of God, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and he gave everything he possibly could to build the church. He wrote prolifically, he traveled prolifically, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was left for dead, and he made it his mission to set, to set the foundations in place of the early church to establish the church so that she would be strong so that over the course of time the Holy Spirit could build upon this foundation and he poured his life into people men and women because we are the building blocks of the church it's not a physical structure but we are living stones and one of the stones that he poured into was Timothy who was a real young man Holy Spirit is no respecter of age. And what's that? So thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah, that goes both ways now. No respecter of age. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old. Um, and he poured his life into Timothy. And he's writing to him at the end of his life. And this is one of the things that he says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And he talks here about the importance of conviction. About the importance of being convinced of something. Because Paul knew that Timothy is a young man. That the commission he had, the work that he had to do... There is no possible way that he would be able to carry out what God had called him to unless he was a man that was convinced. Convinced of his commission and convinced of who he was. And as we come to the end of the year, and as we are looking forward to 2017, we're looking forward to what God has called us to in this next season and in this year. It is critical for you and me, that we are clear of what we are convinced of. Because what I am convinced of will determine actually the life I live and what I do as a result of it. So we are going to look at what it is 
to be convinced and a couple of principles of living and walking out a life based on conviction. Now, the word um, for convinced here, it's the Greek pistou. It's only used once in the whole Bible, and it means to make someone trust. To make someone trust something. And so, Paul is describing a process that had happened to Timothy, whereby Timothy had been enabled to trust in something, to have a faith towards something, because of an action which had been brought upon Timothy. He had been made to trust something. And that is the nature of trust. Trust is something that you cannot really see the outcome of, but yet you have a conviction of the outcome because you have been given reason to have that conviction. So what does that look like? Let me tell you a little story here. Um, so as a child, I grew up, many of our Christmases, I would go to massive family parties on my dad's side of the family, um, which I've spoken about a little bit before. We've talked about how they're all completely nuts. They're totally crazy. And I would, we would go to these Christmas parties at a private boarding school called Elstree Boarding School because my dad's sister had married the headmaster of this massive fee-paying, ritzy, private school. It was just like Hogwarts. So if you can picture that in your mind, um, he was the principal. You know, now this, I realize why you can't hear me because my microphone is in my pocket. Is that better? Okay. I was trying to figure out what was going on. Is that better? Yes. Okay. So you can see here that I'm descended from this crazy family, which I speak of. So anyway, we'd go to Hogwarts um, for Christmas. And I remember as a child, this place was amazing with these massive wooden staircases. And just like in Hogwarts, they would like turn and they, and, um, and we would just get lost in this huge huge property. They would lay on these massive feasts. There were dining room tables, literally half the length of this room, piled with food. And it was just like a child's delight. There were huge grounds, um, like hundreds of acres that we would run and explore in. And there was one particular Christmas that um, it was very cold for the English. It was probably almost 28 degrees, I'm going to say. Um, which for us is really cold. And amazingly, this uh, large pond, small lake on the property of Elstree School had frozen over at about 28 degrees. And so as a young seven, eight-year-old child, I was down there with all my cousins um, just hanging out there. My cousins, so let me give you some names. Um, what was, uh, Atalanta, Atalanta, I'm sorry, um, Alba, my uh, cousin Dougal, good name there, and his brother Lachlan, and his sister Storm, S-T-O-R-M. This tells you what my family is like. Storm, <laughs> who, who was a really beautiful girl, at age 12, 
with a friend, got in her dad's Range Rover, drove at high speed through the grounds of their private estate, rolled this vehicle, and ended up, she has a scar down her face to this day, um, because they're fairly rambunctious characters. So I was down there with all my cousins, and we were venturing out, just putting our toe on the edge of the ice. If you've done this before, you know that it's frozen, and you're trying to figure out whether it can bear your weight. And for us, being in England where it doesn't get very cold, this was a tremendously exciting thing. We could walk across this lake. We could walk across the ice. And so there I was at the edge of the ice, and all of my cousins were coaxing me, encouraging me to venture out on there. It's funny how they were telling me to do it and not doing it themselves. <laughs> and, but I was fearful. Why was I fearful? Well, I had a right to be fearful because I could have fallen through and died. But there was this, this tension in me. I wanted the thrill and the excitement of walking on the ice, yet I was at the same time held back. I was held back by fear because I didn't know if the ice was able to hold me. And I had a group of friends around me who were encouraging me to go out on the ice, but they too didn't know whether the ice could hold me. They didn't really seem to care too much about whether it would or not. They figured that I would be the one who could find out if it would. And so as I began to venture out, I paused just a short distance from the edge, and I saw my father had walked down by the lake with my mother. And he called across to me from the other side, and he said, Jeremy, you can go out onto the ice. I have walked across already, and that's why I'm on the other side. And as soon as I heard him say that, I immediately was convinced that I could walk to the other side, not because I, I had seen with my eyes that it was possible, not because from my experience, I knew that it would be possible, but because one who is trustworthy had, in the Greek word, he had made me trust what he had said. Because I knew that if he had walked across, it was safe for me. And on I walked onto the ice and walked across. And once I was on there, of course, everybody else, Dougal, Lachlan, Storm, the whole crew was out on the ice. But my father had, had given me something that I needed to become convinced. And it didn't matter that I hadn't tested out what was said, I was convinced. And for us to walk out what God has called us to do and to live the type of lives that he wants us to live, for Timothy to live the life that God had called him to, we must become convinced of things which we cannot in the natural be sure of and the outcome of which we cannot fully foresee, but we are convinced because someone has made us to trust that which is being said. And that is what we have in store for us as we enter into a new season, both individually and corporately. We need 
to be made to trust. And so we're going to look at some principles of what it is to be convinced. When Diana and I moved here from Chicago, I mean, no, we moved here from actually St. Charles, Missouri to St. Charles, Illinois. That's why I'm confused. Um, St. Charles, Missouri is a suburb of St. Louis. When we moved here, I had to make a decision also. I had to be convinced of what God was, was telling me so that I could weather the storm and stay the course. And we, we weighed and prayed for some season what God wanted us to do. And I had thought about where should we go, where should, who should we join with. And God spoke to me very clearly one evening when I was driving home from work. And he, God spoke to me and said, it's not about where you should be, it is with whom you should be. And I knew at once that the people and the person which I was joined in heart with and outlook and revelation was Dan and Fee Reynolds. And I knew that that is what God is saying, go to be with them. So because God gave me something which secured my trust, I could become convinced. And so even when there were big obstacles in my way, I had a house to sell, I actually had two houses to sell, I had a rental property, and there were all kinds of issues with moving out of state and jobs and things like this. There was risk. I had to take a, a, a demotion and a pay cut to make it happen. But with each obstacle that came my way, when I was faced with the obstacle, I recalled that trust that was given to me that made me convinced the decision I'd made was the right decision. And it enabled me to push through and, and be where I am here today. So let me ask you, what are you convinced of? Do you have things where you have been made to trust something and that you are working towards, striving towards, fighting for the fulfillment of something which you have been given the capacity to trust for. In order to be convinced, we need to, number one, this is kind of a redundant point here, I don't know if we have it here, we, we need to get convinced, okay? We need, to, we need to start with, with, with something. So what is the foundation of the conviction that you and I have? So I talked about how I received from something from my natural father, which gave me confidence for, for, for taking on a particular risk and an endeavor. Um, what is, what is our foundation and how do we test that which we have received from the Lord? Well, Paul goes on to say in the following uh, part of the verse here in 2 Timothy, verse 14, he says, because of those from who you learned it, so that is the basis of his conviction, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, the scripture in other words, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. So Timothy, who was this young guy, 
Paul's confidence in him, um, some people will say he was possibly even a teenager, Paul's confidence in his ability to fulfill the call was that Paul knew that the Word of God was sown into him at a young age. He knew that he had learned the Word from people that were deep in the Word, people who were faithful people. And so if the Word of God was was, uh, Timothy's foundation, then Paul knew that that was a foundation which could hold a lot of weight. And we have to be mindful that we are starting from the right place. So, you know, if you, if you start at the right place, you'll end up at the right place. Or we can put it the other way around, that you'll end up at the right place if you begin in the right place. Now, sometimes the decisions that we make in sequence, they seem good at the time, but if we haven't started in the right place, we end up realizing at the end that they're off. So I'm going to use an illustration here, and I'm going to unbutton my shirt. Now, I should warn you that I have a shirt underneath here, so you're okay with this. So if I'm doing up my shirt here, so let's do up these buttons... And I'm looking at this. I've got, I'm on to the next button. Yep, this is right here. We've got that. Here's the next one right after that. Oh, I'm doing this perfectly. This is going to work out awesome. And okay. Does that look okay? No, it, 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 it doesn't look great. Because while I, each successive step was correct, if I haven't started off, at the right place, then I'm not going to end up at the right place. And so our foundation has to be secure. It has to be based on the Word of God and that which we know to be true. Now, in Jeremiah, he gives a a well-read direction in Jeremiah 17, 9, I believe we have it here, when he talks about the importance of the word and how we can know if we are, if we're on track. And, and, and God speaking through Jeremiah says this, he says, the heart is more deceitful than all else, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deed. And so for me, what I learned from this is that the heart, my natural process of reason, um, my feelings, my emotions, um, while they have a value, they are not to be relied on. They are deceitful to me. They can be deceitful to me. Now, the promise I have is that God says that he searches the heart and tests the mind. And so if I'm connected with God, then I can have a right apprehension of my own heart. And so what we must be clear on is that our foundation, the way we test everything that we do, the way we live, it is based upon the Word of God. And Paul's confidence in Timothy was that because his foundation was these deeply rooted scriptures, that 
that which Paul wanted to build upon that foundation would stand and be strong because he had got that first button right. Amen? We start with the Word of God, and that is our foundation. So, number two, we got to live what we learn. This should be a title of a song, shouldn't it? Live what, we, live what you learn. In Philippians, Paul, same writer, he says this. He says, continue. I'm sorry, in, uh, in the same passage that we read in 2 Timothy 3.14, Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. Paul, later on in Philippians, in verse 9 of chapter 4, he says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So it's one thing for me to receive an instruction. It's another thing for me to actually act upon it and go and start doing it. And if we don't move on what we do know, we'll be paralyzed by what we don't know. It's a quote which Dan uh, Reynolds, our senior leader, has mentioned a number of times, that if we don't respond on the basis of what we do know, we'll be paralyzed by what we don't know. But the key for us is to begin to live out what we have learned. And so, Paul gives us the way forward here, and he says, the things that you've received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. Practice. So, what is practice? Is there any child here who knows what it is to practice something? Aiden, you know about practice. So, I have three kids that all play the piano. Um, all my younger kids play the piano. And... Some of them are pretty good at the piano. <laughs> and, well, I should say all of them are pretty good at the piano, shouldn't they? Um, but the reason that they have become accomplished at the piano is because I require them to practice. To practice the piano. As, as much as they might understand music, as much as they might have a love for music, if they didn't sit down and actually practice what they have to play, they would not become accomplished at it at all. And so, for us to outwork what God has called us to do, it means we have to practice it, which means we have to do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And for us, if we have been called to live a certain life, there are things that we're going to have to do again and again and again and again to actually make that process come to reality. So I remember the first time that I had a conviction that Jesus could heal people and that if I prayed for them, the Holy Spirit could be released through me and bring healing into someone's physical body. And I had this revelation as I dug through the scriptures, as I saw what Jesus did in the disciples, I came to a conviction that this is not just something that was for then, this is something that actually is for today too. 
And so I remember the first time that I was in an environment where we were praying for healing. And there was a girl who prayed for me. I had, I had, had back problems. My dad had back problems before me. And um, she, my, uh, one of my legs was slightly shorter than the other, so my kind of pelvis was off. And she went and she reached her hand and began to pray for my leg before before she even touched it or said anything, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come upon my body, and my leg just shot out about half an inch. And I was blown away, and since that problem, I've not had any back issues whatsoever. And so this excitement filled me, and I'm like, yes, this is something that, that I can experience, that I can live in. And so I began to take opportunities for, to pray for people. But you know what? The next few people I prayed for, I prayed for, I didn't see healings. And so I had an option then to choose to question what I thought I had become convinced of or to consider the one who had brought me to a place of having trust in him and whether I would rely on what he said or my own heart. And I made a choice to begin to practice something which I believed. And so I continued to pray for people for healing and continue to this day. And as a result of that, over the course of time, I've seen lots of people that have been miraculously healed from all different types of things. Why? Because I recognized that I had to practice these things that God had showed me because without practice, I wasn't going to see productivity. And so I want to challenge us this morning that the things which we have at one time become convinced of, that we place ourselves and make a commitment to continue and practice that which we are becoming convinced of. And that we not fall into the mistake of beginning to question because maybe we haven't seen what we had hoped for. And so when we begin to question, we start practicing. Because I believe for every one of us here that God is drawing us into a deeper, more powerful place where the manifestation of his kingdom is going to work through our lives, where his Holy Spirit is going to work through your life and mine to accomplish things which you cannot in of yourself accomplish. But we must first make a commitment to choose to practice that which we are, are convinced of. And it's through the practice that we're going to see God's hand come and prosper us. So if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I just want to pray for us here and pray for uh, people in a couple of different situations as we close up our time together this morning. Because I believe that God wants us as we come into this year to be clear on what we're convinced of. To, as we come into this year, if we're not convinced, to get convinced. And to begin to live out what we learn. And for some of us to continue to live out that which we have learned. And as we do that together, 
we're going to see God's kingdom come through us. And as we do that individually, we're going to see victory come in an individual sense. So let's just wait on the Lord. Ben, if you would just play for us. And I just want to pray and give an opportunity for people to receive prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. And we recognize that you are the one that causes us to have trust. So we, we recall what you've spoken to us. We recall the promises that we've received from you. And we make a commitment, Lord, to live out what you have shown us. And we make a commitment to practice, to take the steps of action, to live in what we're called to. So Father, I just ask for each person here today that you would highlight to them what it is that you are calling them to, that you would highlight the areas that require a step of faith to outwork it, that we can all respond to your voice. And I want to ask you if, you, if you are unclear, if you would say, you know what, I don't know if I'm convinced of anything specific, then I want to invite you to come up to the front and I would like to pray for you along with those on the prayer servant team, that you will receive a commission and that you will know what you're living for. Because God wants every person to have a dream of something which is impossible outside of it.